Anyways. Oh, well. Welcome to the podcast. Yes. Funny thing happened on the way to the podcast. You have a story? I don't know if it's funny. It's a thing that happened on the way to the podcast. It's a thing that happened on the way to the podcast. You can't say, like, it's something. Something funny happened on the way to the podcast sounds normal because a funny thing happened on the way to the forum. You could have just said something happened on the way to the podcast and it might have might have been okay. Maybe one day it won't be funny anymore. Maybe one day we'll have an entire crowd of escorts after us because we had an escort on this podcast that exposed a lot of their secrets. Yeah, I, I think that's not on us. I think that's... That's on her. Yeah. Which really, I don't think it's on her. I think she was a... Oh, it was, it was great. person. And, and Alex. Shared lots of really inf- interesting information. Yes. It'll be interesting tomorrow. So... See the comments. I have been car shopping. This is... I don't know... It was, it was a long time ago I talked about how I, I crashed my Chevy Impala. Well, we, we talked... It, it's funny going back and listening because we talked about... Tila's car crash. We talked about you uh, renting a car. We talked about a lots of cars, lots of car stuff, like and her. then we found out that you kind of s- screwed up, but you didn't really screw up. Shit happens. And now there's a major insurance problem. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. That's that's future me's problem. <laughs> Nothing I can do about that one now. So, anyways, after crashing the Impala, drove, I've been driving a van. Not the most fun thing to drive when you don't want to be driving a van, although it is practical. It can fit lots of stuff in it. Vans are practical. It's the reason why men have to give up their sports cars eh. when they become dads. Eh. Yeah, long story. It's, it's pro- There's certain things it needs, and I figure for the price it's going to cost to safety it, I'd like to get a car. It turns out, if you want to buy a hybrid these days, which is something that used to be a bit of a uncommon thing even like 10 years ago, basically your option was the Prius, and maybe like one or two others that weren't so good because they didn't match Toyota's hybrid technology. It, it was expensive. You, you could buy a used one for, for quite a bit of money. These days, I have learned it is cheap. Although, here's the exception, because I've been looking quite a bit into this. If you still want to buy a, a Toyota or something like that and you wanted to spend less than, yeah, let's say $3,500 or less, you're still looking at like a 2001 to 2005 with high kilometers or something like it it's an older car and a lot of times we rust, have rust issues or whatever else issues accompany them with age even though they're pretty reliable cars you can get from from what i've seen at least a couple respectable hybrids and, and the one that i want to talk about is the ford fusion in 2010 they introduced a hybrid model they introduced the car itself from Ford in, in 2006 but 2010 they in, introduced the first hybrid those things, for whatever reason, are like the unloved... I guess they don't have as good fuel economy as some hybrids. They're closer to like 6 liters per 100 kilometers, which you can get in some small cars. But it's not a small car. It's a, it's a full-size sedan. So, so you can get them pretty cheap. I saw quite a few of them that were used as like taxi cabs in their hybrids. And they have like 300,000 kilometers. And they have, they're for sale for like 1500 bucks. A lot of them have too many issues for me to bother with. But, but I saw one, and it was in the GTA, somewhere in the greater Toronto area. And the guy was selling it for, East well, he wants $3,000. I didn't know what to expect. My dad found the ad. He said, we should go look at it. And I said, okay. Went there. For $3,000, you can get, assuming that he's going to take what he's, he's asking for, which I think he would, but you can get a fully loaded 
Ford Fusion, like where we're talking, you know, power seats, heated mirrors, sunroof, all the stuff. As a hybrid, 210,000 kilometers, something like that on the, on the odometer for 3,000 bucks. It's not bad. And I mean, I offered it something a little bit lower. See if that pans out. I don't mind if it doesn't necessarily. It's an interesting place to be in. And, and, and guess, I want you to guess, what car do you think he bought? Because he bought something that was a big upgrade because he was done with this car. He bought it into, he was the first, he was the only owner of the car. Where a did, big upgrade. Yeah. Where do you go from, uh, I would say almost luxury because it's got every feature, full-size sedan, hybrid. A Chevy Volt. Not a bad guess. Bigger. A Hummer. No, not, not size-wise. <laughs> he bought a Tesla Model 3. I, w I was hesitant okay. to say Tesla. And, and the reason why I would have been hesitant to even say that before I knew about this is he has one of the first ones that's going to be in Canada, or in Ontario, I guess. He says he gets it on Thursday. So, and uh, for reference, it is May 27th. Be a little bit of a lag, but anyways, so, so on Thursday after May 27th, he's going to get a Tesla Model 3. And price wise, for he said he paid sixty six thousand dollars. I don't know what upgrades he has, but I know that the ones that are coming out initially have the the extended battery. They don't, they don't make any of the cheaper ones yet, so it's probably pretty feature rich. Of course, still for a Model S, you pay no less than like just over a hundred thousand dollars for a Model S. So good bargain compared to the Model S. Yeah, but it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And it's it's interesting that now it's almost like this shift where I think people are going to stop considering hybrids as like the green option and like this, a lot of people that are, you know, even like superstars or like they're, they're famous or whatever will just drive a Prius because there's like an image associated with it. I think the age of hybrids is dying. Probably. Which is weird because it's kind of just beginning for the secondhand market. In, in many like I think the market's going to be flooded with hybrids in the years to come when people who have more money now than when they bought their Toyota Prius or whatever, which to be honest, you probably could spend $30,000 on Prius. So if you're upgrading from there, you're probably gonna spend a bit more. I think there's gonna be a huge amount of hybrids on the market for like new drivers and people to be able to pick them up and spend barely anything on the ads. But also it is the transition that people are trying to go fully electric. There's people want to do that now. And I think Tesla kind of made it cool. Chevy Volt's cool too, but it's a little bit less known. And then there's a couple other all electric vehicles. I think the Nissan Leaf is, I don't know if that's a hybrid or if it's, if there's an all electric version. I'm pretty sure there's an all electric version. I think so. It's overpriced in my opinion, but, but it's there. Well, that's neat. We're heading to the future. We are. And did you hear about the, they got her, I think the report of that Tesla that was in autopilot and hit a person on like a bicycle. You, you, you saw that story? I heard, I heard about it. Fill me in. If you've heard more. So what I've heard. So I don't spread fake news. Sure. What we knew is that the car was on autopilot mm -hmm. and it just hit a person and nobody knew why. Information now has been released. I'm not sure if it's probably just from the car's, you know, black box, the whatever, the, what do they call it? Computer or whatever. That the car did know the cyclist was there and the car did not act about it because there was, they were, so the driver was able to disable the feature for emergency braking. Do you think that should be allowed? It's one of those weird things where like, most cars don't even have that. 
Yeah. But once you do, should you be forced to use it? Because that would have saved that person's life. That's true. But again, it's that emergency braking, it's that ethical debate that we talked about. How, at, how at could a machine be held accountable? Ago. Yeah. And, and how... The person could. They turned it off. That's true. But again, he having turned off, yes. having turned it off is just as accountable as us without having it. I guess. But he was using autopilot, so the car was driving for him, which legally doesn't take away any of your responsibility. But at the same time, the car is making some decisions for you. And what, what happened, if he did leave it on and the car just messed up and the person died, would he still be accountable as the driver? Probably, but then he'd probably sue Tesla. Yeah. I don't know. That's an unprecedented thing. I would, I would wonder if, it. because they are like a hardware, obviously, and software company, if people, like when they turn on their Tesla for the first time, if there's an end user agreement on the screen, do you I think people like are just clicking accept without realizing that Tesla, Tesla actually waives a lot of the legal ramifications. I think they should, but I don't, it's unprecedented. I don't think anybody's ever sued Tesla because of this yet. It's not that I know of. Right. You'd think this, in a case like this, somebody should be suing somebody, but mm -hmm. I, I haven't heard of it. I mean, people have sued other automobile manufacturers in the past and sometimes they've won because the car I, I recall a case, and this is probably just a wives' tale, because I heard it in a setting that would, would be suspicious, but somebody had said that a long time ago there was an owner of an RV who had a nice RV, RV had cruise control. They decided, for whatever reason, that this RV was capable of piloting itself down the road in cruise control for a long enough period of time that they could go make a sandwich or make food or whatever, and they crashed, obviously, and then they sued. And I recall that they won some kind of lawsuit because maybe the uh, an ad for it was almost un, like misrepresenting what the RV could do or something. See, that's uh, the the legal ad space is so weird. Red Bull was sued by somebody who got mad that it actually doesn't give you wings. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I can you not use metaphors and apparently not. They, the Red Bull. It is bad for your heart. Yeah. I, they, they won that case. They did. They won. Really? I believe they did. That's incredible. Well, when you're, I mean, I get it. I guess Red Bull. Red Bull gives you wings. It's a, it's a statement. It's by all means a statement. Yeah. Have, have they ever seen a person with wings? Like, where did, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to believe that if someone could be that stupid, it must be intentionally trying to just get money. Yeah, but if you have an opportunity that uh, that comes from it, like comes in front of you, for the chance to either get a ton of press for you know a company or actually win a lawsuit, you you might as well take it. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I, I guess I've just never thought I'm not, not that kind of person, I don't think. I mean, if I was a lawyer, then maybe I'd be thinking about that a bit more. I doubt they were a lawyer, probably just some idiot. Um, no, that's, I, I suppose it's possible that there was an advertisement at one point that showed that cruise control is like 
basically you take your hands off the wheel. Take your or hands off the wheel. Mm. And I think that's a lot different than the Red Bull thing. Red Bull, it's just a slogan. But if your commercial actually showed... It, it would be good if we actually had the commercial. But again, I think it's just a wives' tale. It's one of those things that people say, oh, someone sued about burning their mouth at McDonald's. Which did happen, but I don't, I don't think they necessarily... Not exactly. No, like, it didn't, didn't pan out the way people say it did. No. Uh, RV commercial cruise cruise control. I yeah. I think this is something that happened a long time ago too. It probably was like in the eighties or nineties or something. All right, no Wi-Fi, but it e still exists. There's a, a commercial that exists. No, the Wi-Fi still exists. We can't use it oh. as. Yeah, common common fact for those that are not very technologically inclined. If you if you still see a router. But the why the internet isn't working. It's the internet. Your router still is powered. Your power's not out. <laughs> I don't. Hmm. I don't know if there's really a better solution in Ontario because really the the main players are Bell and Rogers, and their stuff still goes down all the time. We at this house have some third party. I have no idea who they're called. Just some no name. But are they are they using Bell's lines? Pro oh, everybody uses Bell lines. Bell owns everything. So yeah. Inevitably, doesn't I don't doesn't mean that they necessarily want the same service. But if something mechanically goes wrong, I suppose. Kojiko seems to not go out. I have very few as many problems as I have with them currently. I've never had any issue with it going out. For like they they do own their own parts of the network, don't they? Uh, I believe so, especially because I can't get Bell Internet in my building. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure Kojiko owns it, but minus, you know, power going out and there being a slight out, like outage after that, hmm. I've never had it down for more than maybe five or ten minutes. You were quite frustrated with Kojiko not that long ago. Just as somebody who deals with customer service for people who spent, I, I think that... And I'm not the only one that's frustrated. I enjoy now... Telecommunications going. providers are among the most hated businesses... There mm -hmm. are, at least in this country. I'm and sure I too. feel like my frustration is going to continue, actually, because I just put in a request to to have them come to my apartment and switch over because we're moving units. Yeah. And I requested it online. Serv that service hookup change or whatever. Yep. To new address. And they said a service representative will call you. Okay. And if I don't get a phone call tomorrow... Because I'll give them a few business days. Because okay. I understand, especially since when I requested it, it was actually on the day that they said they were going to call me to deal with my my issue. So I'll give them a few days, just because I have time. I have like three weeks. But come Tuesday, if I haven't heard from them, I will be calling, and hopefully I get better service at the time. Essentially what happened was I had to get some forms for the CRA. It wasn't audited or anything like that. Canada so, Revenue Agency. Yeah, for people who don't know what the CRA is. Many non-taxpaying Canadians. That's true. Like you. <laughs> Not exactly, but sure. You haven't filed yet, right? Okay, no, I have time. <laughs> yes. They're not late yet. Kind of, but not really. Taxes are weird in Canada. Anyways. Continue. Um, so essentially what I needed is I needed two third-party letters 
which I had no problem getting the first, even though that Tila technically doesn't have a business as a landlord. Okay. Okay. I had her write me a letter saying that, or certify saying that I stayed with her when Jessica threw me out. Yes. Sorry, we mutually departed ways of the apartment. And that was fine. But I couldn't get a second letter because the only people they would accept it from is a lawyer. Okay. Which I didn't have one at the time. I could get it signed by a notary. That's expensive. A clergy. Don't have one. Kind of an odd... That, find the clergyman. That knows me? Yeah. Just get them to pretend you know they know you. Or a boss, which I didn't have at the time. Canadian baby, maybe, but they're all gone. Yeah. I can't get in touch with them. So... The third-party letters were problematic, so I went the way of getting the necessary paperwork needed. First things first, driver's license. It became my new license that has a new address on it became valid the day before I moved into my apartment. That's good. First one. That's what I needed. Insurance. The change of address, day before I got the apartment. So it showed that I moved on yeah. to the date. Uh, other problems... I mean, I had to get an additional one. I don't bank with TD anymore, and they were my bank during the entire time. I'm assuming they would still have records, but I don't keep my invoices or statements from three years ago. I know I should, but at that point, it's a long time, and it's a lot of receipts and statements. Yeah. Um, so I went to Kojiko, and I called, and I was on hold for half an hour, which isn't the point of the story. I don't care that I was on hold for half an hour. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. Big companies. But normally, there's at least an attempt to resolve the issue. There's not a, I cannot do anything for I've you. never heard that. Exactly. So I'm on hold, I'm waiting, then finally somebody comes and I say, okay, CRA needs proof that I moved into this apartment. I got internet with you guys within reason, first or second of April, which is close enough for an internet service provider. It was probably still the first. Okay. I need proof that I, like I, I need a proof of contract and I'm coming to you guys because I don't have it. It's like, well, I don't actually have access to that. I'm a tier one. I would need to put you through to tier two. Okay. I cannot put you through to tier two. Really? Because we switched. He, I don't exactly know what he said, but essentially it's my understanding that they switch call center type. Like they switched service providers for the call center. So I things were all messed up and he's like. Nobody was working in tier two? Tier two is blocked off. Okay. I cannot take. So he was literally saying. That means that like more than half the calls I get are going to be unresolved for yeah. a while. So he's like, I cannot do anything. I'm like, well, what do I do? He said, I can schedule tier two to call you. When can they call me? Within five to seven business days. Oh, wow. That is a long time. And I asked him, because at that point, it was due on June 7th. That was two weeks ago. So still like three weeks. But when you're saying wait a week, that cuts off a considerable amount of time. So I asked him, when they call me, can they resolve it? He said, yes, no problem. I'm like, okay, if there's nothing else I can do, I want your name and ID number. Okay. 
He gave me his name and his employee number or ID number. And that was that. Then I saw that a coworker of mine had posted a complaint on the Kijiji Facebook. So? Kijiji Facebook? Sorry, Kojiko Facebook. Kojiko, Kojiko Kijiji. It's, yeah, it's not similar, but... <laughs> uh, so, I essentially did the same thing. I waited to the next day and I replied back saying, you guys were really unhelpful. It's not, I've been with you. You're paying a hundred dollars a month. And I realized there's thousands, potentially thousands of people, hundreds of thousands. I don't know what their area is paying a hundred dollars a month. But when you're paying something like that, like you would never get that problem with Netflix and you're paying 1099 a month or 799 a month. I don't know how that would get divvied up as far as how much money is allocated to customer service itself. Because you'd think there'd be a little bit less of a pool with a company like Netflix because it's less money. But again, if you assume the same amount of users in a given area, I don't know. I don't know if, there's, if the margins are better to have a good support center for certain businesses. I think most internet businesses really try to push customer service. Like Squarespace, 24-7 customer service. And you're and that's that's great because you're paying fifteen ninety nine a month plus domain. Yeah, something like that is amazing. But when you're paying a hundred dollars a month, you expect at least some sort of resolution, even if you have to wait half an hour or forty minutes. That's not the issue. It's the fact that he said I cannot help you, and you have to wait a week before it can be resolved. I don't like the whole tiered system. Neither do I. I kind of wish. I, I, maybe they've tried this before, but having a jack of all trades for all your employees would make sense. Maybe you have a tiered system for people as they're introduced to this call center environment and maybe they stay that, that in, would make sense. in that tier for a certain number of months. If they stay, if an employee stays for like five months at a call center, you're probably not going to turn them over. That's usually how it works. So, and then just after that, they automatically, without choice, have to go up a notch and learn whatever set of information that would be for like a tier two. But once you've done that, or the, you know, there's two or three tiers or whatever, once you've learned all the information, you're just call representative. Maybe you get paid more. You probably should get paid more. That's true. But work on the floor with everybody else. Take the stupid calls like everybody else gets. And, and I don't know. Earn your rank. Like they want to delegate only the the low-end stuff to these tier one people just like really simple issues but then they just have to transfer and they because they can't do anything for you and then and then they're delegating all these more complicated tasks to people in tier two or tier three depending on the company so what are they doing they're just sitting at their computers a little bit more than the tier one people while they could have been helping people could you imagine having to go to work for kojiko like even that day or during their changeover and realize everybody's gonna hate me today like there's not gonna yeah. be most of the calls it's, I take. It is a mentally degrading job to work in a call center, that's for sure. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's much solution about that, exactly that part of it. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. People are not going to be happy with you, and they think you are everything, the embodiment of everything they hate about the company for however long you have to talk with them on the phone. Well, I get it. So I wrote a post on Kojiko's Facebook, and I said, I want somebody to, like, it'd be nice if somebody contacted me. They did contact me, so I was a little bit of a jerk because they said message the Kojiko page. So I did. And then I said, did you receive it? Did you receive it? Just making sure. They finally like, yes, but we have a giant amount of 
know, people to deal with. We will get to. A bunch of people are complaining too. But it's nice to be acknowledged that you got it. Yeah. Then they sent me a message saying, actually, we don't keep records from that far, which doesn't make any sense because as a giant company with your, uh, with dealing with income, you can be audited for a set amount of time. Yes. And Kojiko is an American company. So they're probably subject to American tax laws. I, I don't know what those laws are. I don't either. But anyways, I put in a formal complaint saying that their tier one person gave me the wrong information and cost me a few days on my investigation of finding a way to do it. And they said, okay. And I mean, that was that. I ended up having to get my original lease agreement for the apartment that I'm at, which was more of a hassle than it should have been because the apartment changed hands, somebody bought it, and when they bought it, they didn't get the original lease agreement. So I had to search for the original lease agreement. I ended up having to go to the original owner when I got it and ask Ooh. if he had it. And because he is a good tax-paying Canadian citizen, he had it. Hmm. So... And then I faxed it, and I made it all nice. I gave them a cover page explaining that this is the required documents that you wanted, like the the three or four or whatever uh, things needed. And then I'm also giving you a letter from Tila, which is just extra, and also a letter from Jessica, because she did the same, or I did the same for her. So it the, both letters are stating the same thing. It's just from a different... That sounds really annoying. It was annoying. And I don't ever want to do joint taxes with somebody that I'm not currently with. Well, I mean, what's next? I really hope we don't fucking get audited. That'd be horrible. Although... Would it? I mean, you keep good records. I do keep good records. I Every year I get nervous because they audit like 80,000 small businesses. And it's only a matter of time. Yeah. If there's no, like, if there's nothing wrong, there's always a chance that you won't, but sometimes it's just random audits. And if it's a random audit, then that's the best because you're just like, these, this is. Actually, random audits aren't even random audits. They're just like clarifications. They just want more information. You're not being audited. If you don't give them the right information or you ignore it, then it can turn into a full blown audit. I've done a lot of research on this because <laughs> it scares me a little bit. I do keep good records, but there's the problem with, say, contractors, for example. Some companies use the contractor as an escape. And then uh, if, case in point, which you guys aren't, if, say, we were doing weddings seven days a week, Mm -hmm. it's kind of impossible given the wedding landscape being mostly weekends. But let's say we were shooting weddings seven days a week. And each wedding started between 10 and 12 and ended between 10 and 12. That is actually, even though you're a contractor, that is considered an employee, an employer, an employee relationship because you have a start and stop time. And then that can be back paid for EI and Uh everything. So it's, it's, that's the nerve wracking aspect to it. I would say most of my financial knowledge has come from being scared about my student loans and not understanding them. So I've definitely tried to, to look into a lot of stuff more. Do you get nervous things. about it? My student loans? Because you, you have a... You're, you're, oh my God, I have a huge amount of debt over my head. How much is it? Can you say Starting it? with about $50,000. Yeah. Yeah. And are you, you are paying it off? Mm-hmm. 
every month. That's good. There are a bunch of tax plans proposed by provincial leaders at the moment that would abolish current debts and things, and I think they're full of shit. But yeah. But anyways, there's the, the that is exists on the horizon. But I think I'm just gonna be stuck paying it. Although it does make me, unfortunately, want to pay it at a reduced rate. Because what if what if there is some kind of break? But I I still doubt it. I don't want to pay it off and then, whoops, don't have to pay it anymore anyways. But it is an enormous amount of money. Yeah, you win. I could I could probably finance a Tesla with my income. You probably if, could. If I didn't have student loans. <laughs> you definitely win for highest uh, student loan amount. I admittedly am not too friends with too many people who went to university. Co- yeah, college is a lot more cost effective. One, you get a job probably when you're done with it unless you chose something really dumb. Not me. Wow. I have to make Honestly, it. Honestly, uh, yeah. You probably could get a job. Oh, yeah. be minimum wage, but you'd be in your field. Yeah. Even even you could go higher too, I guess. But I'm saying it's almost a guaranteed thing if you could find something to do with. I've got stories. Video production. Do you? Yeah. All right. First, uh, product of the week. Don't have it with me because it's not my product. But I thought it was kind of neat. Okay. Beaties just got in. A additional monitor. Okay, so it's like a secondary monitor for a laptop. Is it on the computer. Mac or what? It works for Mac, works but for Windows. Where are they using it right now? Uh, right now, it's on a it's on a laptop. It's for sale. Okay. Okay. But it's a display unit or whatever. It's a display unit. Okay. USB powered. That's it. No display port. Just USB. Pretty cool. Works very very well. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised by it. So surprised, in fact, that I might end up getting one because if I'm still going to use my MacBook. There are benefits with it, traveling-wise, mm-hmm. for sure. Even comes with a case. Maybe they're better than what I saw. I Linus Tech Tips reviewed one, like, years and years ago, and it was impressive. It wasn't nearly as good as a standalone monitor, but it was it was impressive, especially for the portability side of it. This one, I was really skeptical because it's not a brand-name mo- well, it is a Technically, it ha- it's a brand. What's a brand? It's a Chinese brand. It's like AOC. That's not a bad company. They may, they've been making monitors for a very long time. Well, their English is horrible. Yeah. Still make good monitors. And the monitor itself, there's weight to it. It feels it feels good. I think people are going to mistake it for a tablet. Yeah, it, it does on look display. a bit like one. It's going to look like a tablet. Yeah. But it works very well. There's no lag. It, it, it just it really works. It's a good workflow device. It's not good for photo editing, I would imagine, at all. No. Or even video editing if you're going for color grading, but... What I would use it for, but I don't really use my laptop for editing anymore, but on the fly editing, say, at a wedding where we have to do a same-day edit, I'd still use Final Cut for it. Yeah. To and, and do use, it. And use the main monitor for your color grading. Yeah. It... Really, for me, as a, as a student, I would have used it to have one page for browsing the internet, especially if you could put it in portrait mode, because then you could, yeah. or, or your Word, and then you have your Word document, or Excel, Excel Sprout, yeah. Yeah, I like, it, it has a sensor, like a, yeah. Except it does, the auto doesn't work on Mac for some reason. Works on Windows, not on Mac. Don't know why. Okay. It's very strange. And the... While it is Windows and Mac compatible, it doesn't come with Mac drivers, so you have to go separately to download them, which is fine. Who the hell you wait? But it comes with a driver CD. Yeah. Who the hell uses driver CDs anyways? Uh, go to the go to the manufacturer's website. Do not use any driver CDs ever. Yeah, that's they're already out of date. Don't bother. Rule of thumb. 
I like it. It works instantaneously. It was very cool. Uh, price point's a little high, but that's okay. How much? Uh, Two twenty. Not bad. No. Ten eighty p. That's not bad. You're still paying five hundred dollars for a four K monitor. Yeah, I know. And nobody, if you buy a a ten eighty p standalone like a regular monitor, you're still gonna pay if you want an IPS panel or something with decent colors. You're still paying that much anyways. On the topic of monitors, what is your opinion on people using? And then I have my like um, my uh, film related story. Okay. What's your opinion on people using like four K TVs as secondary monitors? I've considered doing it myself. The main right. issue comes because when I say people, I mean me. That's yeah. what I'm considering. The main distinction comes in the processing of the image because computer monitors are meant to basically not process the image in any way to make it because TVs tend to process the image to make it change the colors or the the, the refresh rate or yeah. whatever to make it more appealing to the eye in their in their consumer oriented way and it. If you can disable most of those functions and you pick a really good 4K TV, you can do it. And and almost it's a good test run for if you are going to demo video content, it's good to have a TV if, if you think consumers are going to watch this on a TV, if it was a commercial or whatever. It's not a color grading tool in any case. But I would never, and even when I use my uh, TV, my 1080 TV with the MacBook, I never use it for color grading. That being yeah. said, my color grading game has increased tremendously since uh, upgrading to Adobe Premiere. Mm -hmm. So thanks Love Adobe. A great interface for that. Oh, it is. What, what, how big of a 4K monitor? I was, I was looking at 50. That's, you're gonna sit way back though. Yeah, I know. How is that gonna work? I don't know yet. Yeah. That, that's the biggest trouble. Just cause I, I like the idea of having a TV, but I can't fit it on my desk. But you see the way my desk is, is it's gonna, it's not necessarily specifically for uh, day to day, I just, I don't want to buy a 4K monitor and a 4K TV, uh, but I could just buy the 4K monitor because I don't use the TV for anything, but Blu-ray. So I, I'm, I'm conflicted. So I think I'm still going to buy the TV, probably not 50, save the money, put it on the hutch like it is now. Yeah. And then that way, at least I'll have something to view it off of. And when I'm editing, I can... Like, it's gonna be a neck breaker. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I think my mind's been set a long time on probably what I would buy if I had to flip and buy a 4K monitor. It's one that LG makes. It's a, I wanna say it's a 28 inch or whatever, but it's an IPS display. It's cheap, it's like 400 bucks. I, I don't know. I don't have any use for a TV really. Even the TV that's in this house right now is, gets used occasionally. Tila mostly uses it. I like my Blu-rays. It, it, I remember the days when people, I, I think people were getting like upscale DVDs and stuff. And the other was like, I can't see the difference between Blu-ray and DVD. And then if you actually watch like a properly graded Blu-ray and compared to the old DVD quality, it's amazing. Mm. I haven't, I haven't sat down and watched something on Blu-ray for like probably six years since I was using my PlayStation 3 to do it. Pretty good video technology. I don't know. Is there a better way to really watch stuff these days? Because most people stream it, which is going to be compressed a little bit. But right now, it's it's stream. If, if you download something from iTunes, for instance, yeah, is it is just pretty much the same quality as Blu-ray? I would imagine. 
iTunes H.264 or whatever the file format is. I don't know. Yeah, iTunes doesn't really release. They they have HD and SD. They yeah. don't, I don't know. I haven't bought movies off iTunes in a long time to even think if they've went the 4K route, but it used to be HD or SD. Okay. And I, if you go on torrent sites, which you shouldn't do because you should be a legal, a law-abiding citizen, but, yes. but if you do, really, there's always, if you're looking through movie options, there's always Blu-ray rips. So that leads me to believe that it's still probably the best way to get a minimally compressed video file for like a movie or something like that. I think Blu-ray is the best way to go. Streaming, even Netflix with its highest quality streaming, there's still a element of, of um, of compression. Compression. Yeah, no, this is definitely compression. So Blu-ray would be the way to go. Although if you do, it does vary by your internet speed at how much they're going to compress the video file itself. I don't know. It, it's strange that there hasn't been an advancement. Like everybody was saying that, like I guess it was rumors that they were just going to move to like a flash-based system where you'd get like a SD card looking thing in a movie. Be smart. Case. Be different. It's Capac- because Blu- capacity is basically unlimited because you basically just keep increasing. Blu-ray hasn't won yet. That's the problem. Hasn't won. No. VHS beat out. And then DVD beat out VHS. DVDs lasted longer than than they in still, this in this war. You'd say that they still sell mostly DVDs if you go to like Best Buy and look for a movie. Which I haven't done again. Maybe not necessarily Best Buy, but Walmart, years. you can easily go in and just buy DVDs. Hmm. Like just DVDs over DVDs over DVDs. They have the Blu-ray option for newer movies, but God forbid you, for some reason, want to watch Happy Gilmore on Blu-ray. You can't do that. Not that I would want to watch Happy It'll Gilmore on Blu-ray. Just be upscaled anyways. Pardon? Just be upscaled. Yeah. It's going to look any better. But, um... No, Happy Gilmore is great. Oh, it is. I I rewatched it just because getting in the golfing mood, which we still have to do, (laughs) and it it is so good. Um, So, film story. I was going to surprise you and Teal. I'm surprised. I was going to. I'm totally surprised. Okay. (laughs) Uh, With a contract to edit a short film. Ooh. And it was going to premiere at a film festival. Okay, nothing big. Sundance? No. <laughs> nothing big. Uh, just the NIF, Niagara Independent Film Festival. Okay. Nothing big, Biggest but. thing around here. <laughs> still be something neat. They had a budget. For some reason, they forgot. Let me guess. It was lower than what? No, no, no. They had a budget to actually shoot this thing. Oh, they didn't even shoot it? No, it's already shot, but they they spent money shooting this thing. Okay, okay. But for some reason, they forgot the editing. That's a really big oversight. Yes. Now, my general rule of thumb with editing, and I did it for like a few projects here and there, is if it's not a flat rate, which I try to avoid... Unless it's my own stuff. Puts the time crunch on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if there's a budget, I always say if it's a if it's a short film or even a feature length film. If it's feature length, you can give it a little bit of a discount. It's about a hundred dollars per minute, not per invoice minute, but per minute per of mi- film. Yes. So fifteen minute film, fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. Okay, because that could very easily take fifteen days. 
like when you're actually layering and making sure. Oh yeah, you. I mean, even a 15 minute clip could have a hell of a lot of work put into it yeah. for sure. So, because I wanted it, I gave them what I would give if somebody asked me to edit a feature. I did it eighty dollars per minute. Works out to be twelve hundred bucks. It's still nice. And I had kind of mentioned that, you know, instead of giving me an editing credit just to credit DH Media, right? Which you think that would be an enticing factor? No, all? it's not an enticing factor, but it's not an unenticing factor. No, it just exists, no. right? Yeah, okay. It's no different to them, I don't think. I wouldn't think. No. And it'd be good to get the logo out there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get it. Somebody else saw a bid? Undercut? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, so $1,200, and yeah. that's me being generous, right? Okay. $80 a day, 15 days of editing they'd get something good, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm pretty good at what I do. Yeah. Guess how much the person... This is gonna be fun. ...bid and got. $400. Lower? Oh my God, $100. 250. 250. Well, they're gonna get garbage. The the idea, I suppose, there is they're either going to get garbage or they're going to get somebody who is doing it in exchange for work or something. Like, I don't know what the goal exchange is there. Exchange for fame as a famous editor. But it's just, it's annoying that they missed, like, they forgot about the editing. Can we watch this film? I'll keep it posted. <laughs> it's... It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Industry's full of people that are just gonna undercut just about everything. Editing's a weird thing to undercut yourself on, I think. Because there's people that want to get out there and put their name out there for, for it's film. It's really hard stuff. to do, though. Editing among, I think, a lot of things in film, it's really hard to get your name out as an editor. Absolutely. Because when the movie's out, nobody fucking cares about the editing, unless no. it's really bad. Yeah. Because that, and you have to deal with the shitstorm of all the people that were before you who recorded content that wasn't probably done in the way that would appeal to an editor. They say that editing is the final time to direct the movie. Yeah, right? absolutely. So you're doing this job. You, for budget allocation for a movie, it's kind of like half the movie almost. It wouldn't be just obviously one editor, it'd be probably a lot of people involved in that process especially the director should be there oh yeah putting his image forth and is he getting paid while he stands over the shoulder of this editor who wanted 250 like i don't know i don't know so that's interesting uh i'm well qualified for editing if anybody wants to hire me but i'm not doing it for like 15 dollars a day just so we're aware I will, for $15 a day, I will color grade the entire movie, not separately, but just once at the beginning. And, and yeah, I, for that, I'll, I'll do that for, for one day. For one day. <laughs> That's about as far as it goes. It'll be, it'll be beautiful for wherever I decide to put the color grading in. Yeah. For the first scene, it'll look great. Yeah. And then when you go inside, oh God. No, that's... 
always wondered where those went. What went? <laughs> those microphones. <laughs> Lots of your possessions have wound up scattered around this house. <laughs> yeah. For reference, these are prop microphones. Obviously, they're not. Well, I guess they could look kind of real. Made of, out of aluminum, it almost feels like. Yes. Yes, they could look real. This is Jesse. Recording live. Wouldn't that have like the weirdest sound aesthetic if we had like old mics from like the 1930s or 40s or something? Like, I don't even know how you hook that up. I don't even know what audio interfaces looked like back then. I don't know either. An old PA system or something. But. Oh. No, that's the annoying thing. So I'm going to say screw you, and when we make a movie, I'm not going to pay any editor because I'm just going to edit it. It would be strange to pay an editor for us. Yes, unless, it it was a, unless it was a really big production and we needed people to help, but... Well, maybe. I think uh, Tila's horror film, get her feet wet with that, like an actual narrative narrative, and then try to conquer the big things. I came up, I, I for whatever reason, I don't know why, um, but I, I've been having creative surges as of late. So I've been doing... Doing any hallucinogenic drug? No. No? Maybe I should really push it over. Really enhance it, yeah. Um, I came up with a new movie idea. Okay. I still have the other movie idea uh, that I told you about, the Mighty Ducks without the hockey. (laughs) Interesting pitch. Yeah. Um, And then the Christmas movie, which... It has been on the back burner since we did the read-through because I put it behind yeah. and I want to go back to it probably after we move with fresh eyes and start working on it again, get a few more drafts done because that's, that's a project I, I want to do. But the new movie that I'm working on is called A Party at the End of the World. Is it about Flat Earth? No. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> <is> fantastic. <laughs> uh... She's getting mad. Not mad. She's not actually getting mad, but I, I'm I'm getting my 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 due justice with that whole flat Earth thing because we'll be in Walmart or we'll be in public and we'll see an atlas or whatnot, and I'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa don't look. That's not for you. Because you thought the Earth was flat, and I'll say it loudly, and there'll be people around, and she'll tell me to shut up, and it's it's just it's a wonderful romance, but. Your face when I called her it was amazing. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I want to start. I want to find flat earthers and just mail them globes. Like, just repeat. We have it. to have well, a like one one on here. If you're a flat earther, and we you, respect you, and you will travel to Ontario or provide travel to somewhere else, then yeah, we would. Uh, I don't think there's any flat, like flat earthers here. in Ontario. No, I do. I'm just saying if they if they live in, I don't know. What if we Panama, uh, the country, not Panama City Beach, and they wanted us to come to Panama to what if we talk to them? I would do. Uh, you know who? No. <laughs> no, we do know a flat earther. I'm not talking to them because if I do, well, I don't care. I don't have that much to lose. I guess. <laughs> what? Not really. Maybe we might have a flat earther on at some point, but that's not going to happen like until after August. (laughs) 
Because then, then I down. Yeah. Maybe maybe I will get to be good friends with her, and we can sit down mm-hmm. and talk. Yeah. Just give her a pie plate. Tila would really appreciate that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Glad you knew who I was talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. No, the getting a flat earther would be nice. I do truly think that we could get. I, we've mentioned it before, but we should get a really crazy religious person on here. Not crazy, but like a fanatic, like a Jehovah's Witness. We talked about yeah, it yeah. They should be able to I just want to get like a really dedicated person, not necessarily crazy, but like get like a, a priest that's been doing it for like decades. I wish. Be cool. I wish. This is, if Melissa hears this, once again, this is a PSA to Melissa. You have the treasure trove of old priests in a house. Let us interview them. No swearing. That's fine. Do you know where she works? Yes. She goes to listen to some priests. No, I really, really, really <laughs> like Melissa. I don't want to get in trouble. Well, I mean, you don't have to necessarily show that you're connected to her in any way or form. Right. But if one of them end up on this podcast, you'd be like, uh... Well, then it's already happened. <laughs> That's true. It's a week's prior. And they've already agreed to it, and it was great. She said, so here, here's the plan. Okay. She said that one of the priests, at least one of the priests, will probably come to her wedding. So if I That's get engaged a way to get with her in. tomorrow, okay. and we have the wedding on August 17th, okay. okay, then we can do a back-to-back priest and flat earther episode that Sunday. <laughs> Let's not get them on at the same time, because that would get a bit confusing, but although they might agree on the flat earth part, I don't really know. <laughs> Depends how literally you take Genesis, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. This isn't a proposal, and I'm not going to get married on August seventeenth because that would be inappropriate to the people getting married on the eighteenth, and I'm also not ready for marriage. You'd upstage them pretty hard, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially because there'd be a bar. Would you have a big wedding? So I, w- I want to hear what your wedding plans are. Most women who I've dated, mm-hmm. when the topic of wedding has come up, most of them have said. I'm not going to be the bride at my wedding, am I? Only in the sense that I've seen so many, I know that I'm going to be knee deep in the planning of the actual wedding. Oh, you, um, <laughs> do you think that's true? You're going to? Oh yeah, really? I'll help with the venue. Oh, I'm that's not a big deal. DJ, that's too much. Why? Wait, you DJ? No, 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 no. Knee deep in planning, like. Oh yeah, if, if whereas most if you know the people, sure. Not even that. Whereas most Are you going to pick up the flowers? Are you going to pick up the colors? I'm not good with colors. And the dresses, that's that's on them. I think any woman you're with would be happy with that then. Yeah, but most of them, you know, wouldn't expect me to have a very strong opinion on the cake. Okay, maybe the cake. Yeah, maybe it's taking right. a bit too far, yeah. Uh, or the uh, table decorations. Or the dinner. Yeah, yeah. Or the, I mean, most most women kind of let their. What's what's the ideal wedding dinner for you? What are the options? Caesar salad, start nothing. Pretty basic. Yeah. Pretty basic, but delicious. I think a good Caesar salad, maybe with f- like f- freshly shredded Parmesan cheese. All right. You know, so well, that way I can people can it. say when. All right. Right. Um, 
we'll give a vegetarian option, but ideally just won't invite too many vegetarians. Probably. Alice and Faith are probably the only ones that I know. Uh, probably a good roast beef. Yeah, you like roast beef? Oh, I love roast beef. Maybe steak. Probably steak. I can get a whole steak. I can pl- supply steak. So like, a, so long as beef is not the steak. So, um, I haven't really thought about the dinner, but I, I, I the, because I chicken parmesan is a pretty chicken parmesan is a favorite. If you do it good. really well, is really good. Yeah, if you want but I want food. to do my big thing is I want to do a narrative wedding video so you're gonna make it a narrative to suit the video so first things first and this is a giveaway to melissa but i've already told her when the proposal happens if the proposal happens but in all honesty i watch out melissa really really good feelings like this is something special wow Mm -hmm. all right it's a big commitment to say there will be microphones hidden. There will be cameras hidden. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? For the video. But then, because I'm just that type Why of... Why do they have to be hidden? So that way she doesn't know what's going to happen. But then, what if she, wa- she won't watch this? We're good. <laughs> Probably won't watch it. She and I have already talked about okay. the fact that they're going to be hidden. Okay. So she won't know. That I, being said... I would love to clandestinely... I don't even know if that's a word, but... In a clandestine manner, plant microphones all over the place. Well, you and Tila would be the ones that I go to to strategically come up with this. Um, again, well in the future. So that will be real, but then we will write. I kind of have a rough idea of how I want it to go. The so that, that way the guests have something entertaining but different to watch at the reception before we come in will write kind of a fake narrative leading up to the wedding, including showing, like, the guys at a horrible bachelor party or something like that. Like, make it comical, utilizing the groomsmen and the bridesmaids. Make it something like Out of the Hangover. Yeah, a little bit. And turn it into, like, a 15-minute short wedding film. Because I've seen a lot of unique things. I've seen people propose like that. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like something like that. Something you have to call on me for your proposal, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. I want to get. I want, if you, if you're gonna go somewhere special to propose. Yeah. I want to be there and I want to record. I'll be in the bushes. That's fine. With a telephoto lens. That's fine. I've done that once and it was f- so much fun. I love yeah. doing that. No, you and Tila will be there. Maybe that. We gotta. We should. That's something that we should advertise for people that want to get their proposals recorded or photographed. One of the the, pro- the problem is, is how do you advertise that? Where do you advertise it? The only place oh, I could think, it? rain shops. Because that's where yeah. guys go. Hmm. Yeah. Man, it probably cost a lot to get an advertisement on the ring shop door. I don't know. I've never thought about that. We have to get in contact with the ring shop owner. Yeah. If you are in the Niagara region or somewhere else that's near here, and you own a ring shop, jewelry shop, even if it's a second-hand ring shop, like a mom, and, a mom and pop ring shop. Yeah, get in contact with us. We could probably work something out financially. Yeah. Because I would, I would pay for that kind of advertisement for yeah. sure. But no, that's, I, just, I want something different. And then the wedding, 
it by nature kind of has to be big because I have a big family. And I think that weddings are at their best when it is a celebration and bringing people together. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the nicest things about the wedding, uh, my, my, one of my stepbrother's weddings, is the fact that it was the last time that we, including my brother, were all together and we were all looking good. Jessica was in the photo. I fixed that. We moved on. Photoshop's a great tool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, that's it, it. Should be a big celebration. It should be, should be well done. Uh, and uh, bachelor party in Cuba. That is a, for sure. Oh God, I'm excited for you to bar- <laughs> bartend round two. Uh, Cuba or Dominican bachelor party in the tropics. Okay. Cuba's gonna be cheap, so we can probably do a lot for the money. I know. Next time we do Cuba, spend the money of like a five star somewhere else, or not somewhere else, but like in Cuba and get the five-star experience because it'd, it'd be cheap. It'd be yeah. like a three-star anywhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, I figured you'd be excited for our oh, bachelor party. Oh, hell Cuba. yeah. I want to go back to Cuba. I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, well, you know what? Keep uh, keep your ears open like another 12 or 13 months. Maybe something magical will happen. Who knows? I Do you ever look at airplane tickets just to see what's on sale? I get mad now at myself because I, I I have this mentality that I like I write I should travel but I don't uh, and I, I guess I have traveled I, I realized somebody pointed out to me the fact that I am very lucky to have been on both coasts of Canada I was in BC and I've been on the east coast as well lucky is that the right word? Yeah, not, it's not, a, it's not, not everybody can of, say that. But it's not a matter of luck. Yeah, it's... Both it's, times I was working. Yeah. Which means I was paid to be there. So that's kind of neat. It's a good idea. Um, paid instead of... Anyways. Yeah, I look at plane tickets, and it bothers me because when I was doing baby photos and I had all the time in the world, I never took it. I found last-minute tickets, again, to Cuba, just as an example last minute like I could buy them today to leave on Tuesday mm-hmm. for $400 for the week flights included a flight to Havana right now if I booked it right now is $448 I mean considering a Cuban airline just went down probably, probably should hurt, <laughs> hurt the market a little bit maybe you get save, save on a vacation it's not the fact that the it's not just the fact that the plane went down, it's the fact that everybody died. Yeah. That was bad. Crap. Rest in peace. There's respect and it's a tragedy. But that just doesn't happen anymore. No, that was that, that really shocked me. It was like out of yeah. nowhere that something in North America, like a big aviation disaster like that would happen. No, it's We've had a streak for quite some time where there's been nothing. And yeah, sometimes like Malaysia planes overshoot the runways and yeah. whatnot, or there there is a fire, but not a yeah. hundred and fifteen people dead or whatever the official number the is. Catastrophic crash, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. And once again, unbelievable. How many Cubans had the fucking cell phones to do video to show it happening? You know what we can say for sure though? Those people got their last meal on that plane. Because Cuban Airlines still feeds their that's true, Feeds but they had just customers. begun. They, they probably didn't. 
They it was did. at the beginning of the flight? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I don't know much around that. Yeah, the... it was just at the beginning of the flight. Well, then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> the last meal met up in smoke. It was a good joke if they had been going to Cuba, not leaving from Cuba. There's been no official names released either. We don't know if it's Canadians. We don't know. Well, I, undoubtedly, there's some Canadians. I don't... Do they know where the, the plane was destined to go? I mean, because you can't, I know you can go to the U.S. now, I suppose, but are there major flights that are scheduled to go to U.S. airports now? You know what? It could have been a, it could have been a Cuban airplane on its way to Trinidad and Tobago. It, like, it could have, it could have been a short distance flight for sure. I guess this That being said, a short distance flight that had over a hundred people on it is... What kind of, was it a 737 or something like that? I don't I, I'm not even sure what plane it was. Aww. Uh, a lot of it was cute. It was it was gonna end up being a short. Oh. You see, okay. You can see where it was going to. This is this is from yesterday. A flamenco dancer, a woman on her way to meet her mother, visiting from the United States, a doctor on vacation from a job in Brazil, ten couples from an evangelical church, a socialist. I don't think anybody's gonna be scared, worried about those people, but <laughs> a social, a sociologist, a social, social sociologist, sociologist. Okay, at least it's not a socialist. Sorry, uh, finishing his master's degree <laughs> and a mother with a seven-year-old daughter. Those are some of the 68 people who boarded an airplane in Havana a week ago on their way to... It was flying from Cuba to Cuba. It was that short distance. It was flying from it was Havana... A national flight, okay. ...to Holguin, which I've been, so that's on, on the, the east. That's on the northeastern part of the island. Yeah. Which is a pretty far distance. I guess it would make sense to fly yeah. it, but... These right. are some of the 68 people who... So 68 Cubans... Yeah, 151 total. Yeah. Hmm. Boarded an airplane in Havana a week ago on their way to the home city of Holguin in eastern Cuba. They never made it. After just a few minutes in the air, the airplane leased by Cubana de Aviation from the Mexican company Global Air crashed near the Havana airport. 110 people died immediately. Hmm. The crash changed the face of Holguin, a quiet city and province of the same name put on the world map by Pope Francis' visit in 2015. Oh, I didn't know he went there. No, no has not on the map enough, apparently. Other headlines over the years, including several due to hurricanes, but the loss of so many lives in one single event is unprecedented. You can imagine that, like in all of Cuba, this has been a very difficult blow. One of our employees lost his first cousin. Hokin is not so big, and you always know people. There's always a friend or an acquaintance affected by the crash. I want to know if the author of this article lives in that region. Because they're writing it as if, if they do, but if it's from... He's like, from... It's global, written by somebody in the Miami. Mail? No, Miami. it's the Miami yeah. Well, they could be Cuban. They would be Cuban, if it's most Miami, likely. Yeah. Okay. The flight was supposed to be 50 minutes. Uh, Fifth. 15 minutes? 50. Oh, 50. Wait, wait, who the hell gets on a plane for 15 minutes? Uh, somebody flying from Niagara to Toronto. <laughs> which is now an That's industry. That's a 15 minute flight, yeah. You're gonna spend like six times that waiting for to board and, and to exit a plane and go through customs. Well, I guess you don't have to go through customs because when Ni Niagara, Ontario? 
Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, that's that's strange that people do that. I guess if you don't have a car, but you have lots of money. Or if you don't really, really dislike the... QBW? Yeah. The QBW's a, a good highway. Minus. Sometimes the traffic backs up. Sometimes. The fr- this is depressing. Well, yeah. Lots of people that died in that one. The 10 married couples left behind 15 children. Oh, sorry. Left behind children ages 7 to 15. Uh, it's a long article. Let's get to the summary. Hmm. There's no summary. It's just naming the victims. So people, so the names have been released then? Some of them. They've been working around the clock. That would be hard to ID people like that. I mean, you would have the names of everybody who boarded the flight. I would figure that could just get published if you think everybody died. It's true. And if somebody magic miraculously survived in there somewhere, then redact that statement. But oh, sole survivor of the Cuban crane. Somebody flash survived. Remains in critical condition. Really? I didn't know that somebody survived. The sole remaining survivor of last week's deadly plane crash in Cuba is still in critical condition and likely to suffer from complications from her injuries. What? The hospital which is treating her said Friday. Cuban national. Okay. Malin Diaz, 19, is currently the only person to have survived the tragic accident, while two other women rescued alive along Diaz have succumbed to their injuries. Hmm. Dr. Carlos Martinez, director of Havana's University Hospital, where the survivors were treated, said Diaz was responding favorable to treatment. However, the extent of her injuries have made a prognosis difficult. Can you imagine, for the rest of your life, knowing that you were the sole survivor of that accident? That's 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 the definition of survivor's guilt. Like, it would enhance your idea of self-importance probably enormously. Because that's a unique human feature where you basically feel that your life has some kind of greater meaning, or that there's something, I guess, something about your life that's important or significant. People usually attribute it to like God or something, God's plan or whatever, but. But if you were the one person that survived, you'd have to ask yourself, why the hell did I survive? Yeah, why me? Why me? And why not anybody else? Yeah. Maybe. Now again, that's assuming she survived. She's obviously going through a lot. Responding favorably to treatment is a pretty optimistic statement. Maybe she's doing pretty good. And I mean, if people were picked up alive from the crash that died later, that's still it's a really pretty small percentage. It's a good so. start. That's a good start. It's a good start. If, if the crash is at all survivable, it'd be pretty impressive to see. I, I think you could definitely see one person pull through. It's pretty cool. I don't know what kind of injuries it would be. Is it probably it's probably a lot of broken bones, but is it like burn injuries too? Oh, I'd say so. Yeah. Because then you're, you're prone to infections that you're probably going to die prematurely at that point. Although if it, if it is a lot more just muscular and, and bone injuries. You could heal up pretty well from that, I would imagine, throughout your life. Yeah, it doesn't give specifics, no, I, I highly doubt that it would. But this is one of those things that's probably not going to be covered again, but it, it'd be interesting to know how, it is what, saying, what the outcome is for this person. Uh, the Cuban government has appointed a high-level commission to investigate the cause of the crash with the help of the Mexican and American experts. Which says something. That's good. 
uh, Jose Lopez. Pretty Mexican name. <laughs> President of Cuba's Institute of Civil Aviation and Aeronautics said on Thursday night that it could take months to reach credible conclusions. Hmm. So. Something that, that, something that happens just after takeoff. Probably more likely mechanical failure than if it was mm. just in mid-flight. But at the same time... I don't know. I don't know. What what did they hit? Did they hit like mountains or did they hit something else? I think it just rolled off the runway into trees. Like it, it, it didn't even get in the air. No, I don't think so. And if oh. it did, it didn't make it very far. Hmm. And it was right back. Well, then it could be pilot error too. Ooh. Which, I mean. Nobody on the ground died, did they? No. No. But I mean, it shows really how nicely you treat your citizens when you put a school right by an airport. Right at the end of the, the runway. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's your incentive. Mm-hmm. Take off before this. Mm-hmm. It'd be really loud. It'd be a loud school. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's enough depressing information for tonight's that was episode of the podcast. A sad thing happened on the way to the podcast, but... It, it is what it is. It's. I learned something. And I was talking with Tila about it, and it's it's a very interesting way of looking at things. It's one of the first times I've ever really looked at it. Um, you go through random bursts in life, like really good things, and then some bad things will happen. You might, you know, get into a fender bender that ends up leaving you paying $600 a month for insurance or $500 a month for insurance. And Mm. that's, I mean, that's not bad. You could get into a major car accident on Canada Day weekend and almost die. That's pretty bad, right? Uh, Life, as you get older, you realize is just moments of calm in between these incredibly tragic moments. Life is really 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 fragile i yes can't believe how many people that i have been friends with or that i've known that aren't around anymore and i mean you're younger than me but i'm only 26 that's that's not what i was expecting and it's all in how you handle it a positive mentality will make a big difference and that's it it's it's very important but the the eternal hourglass of mortality um, takes away does take away and I'll end this on a good note we were talking no it's a, it's a, it's a, right. it's All not right. necessarily a good note but I'll be quick we're talking the last one that wasn't an interview about my health because that one yes. uh, I was taking multiple phone calls during that we thought my father had a blood clot turns out it was a, a pulled joint uh, he messed up a, a ligament or something yeah pulled pulled not Some, a pulled something, muscle. something inflamed yeah so big difference big from difference a blood clot a, a life-threatening condition to a weekend sitting down yeah and he's fine now yeah. but thinking thinking about it i we had talked about me getting healthier and i have not had fast food in over a week that's, that's a bad. start that's better than me and i've been cooking my meals Subway aside, I've had Subway a few times. Subway's not too bad. It's kind of like my scapegoat. Like it's scapegoat. I don't know if that's the right word, but I don't know either. Your your escape, perhaps. Yes, on a case like tonight when it's gonna be eleven o'clock by the time I get home, 
I may stop and get something because I don't want to cook at 11. No. Um, Pita Pit. So good. Pita Pit. Probably not open, but healthy. Um, so last week after Deadpool, uh, we went to Zares to get some stuff and I saw the blood pressure machine. So I took my blood pressure. Yeah. And much like the scales at the gym, so I thought it's high. it was unbelievably high. Really? Like at risk of heart attack high. How high? Like one one sixty over like Okay, maybe not that high. Like okay. one forty seven yeah. over so high. Over what? One you need the systolic and the diastolic pressures. One forty seven over You took a picture of it. I took a picture of the screen. Uh, Put as your background on your phone. 97. It's pretty high. Yeah. So, I panicked. But like a retard, no offense, I panicked. <laughs> a retard or a retard? A retard. Okay. Without, I panicked without going to the doctors. At that point. Well, I mean, you're not going to urgently die. Right, I'm not going to urgently die, and I don't think they'd give a 26-year-old blood thinners. No. Don't they take would just say, That's a... change your diet. Yeah. So I did. Slowly. I'm, I'm trying to figure things out. And then a few days ago, just because I was walking uh, through the Walmart, there was another one. So I tested it out, and it was even higher. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go home and Google the reliability of these machines. Probably not very good. And I read that first off, and it makes sense, the machines are automatically faulty only because when you're supposed to take your blood pressure, you're supposed to sit down for five minutes before you do it. You don't do that in a store. It should instruct you to do it, but perhaps not. No, it never does. You just stick your arm in. It doesn't make you wait five minutes. You just do it. The other thing, there's no regulation about keeping them upkept or keeping them synced or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So got mine taken properly today by a doctor by a medical assistant like a nurse type i don't know nurse whatever okay okay the old spig spig nominator it's normal again what was it uh it was you took a picture of what was it an electronic machine or was it a gauge uh it was both, uh, it was elect- It was an amalgamation of both. Okay. It was 122 over 77. That is, yeah, that's good. It's on the, if you Google it and read, it's on the high level of good, which I've been at for years. So basically, when I went to the doctor the last time, the doctor said, you're good. You're on the high level of good. You lose weight, it'll be fine. That's the only thing that's causing it. You're not, you don't have flat, bad blood pressure. It's just you're a bigger guy. That's why. But that's not changing my mentality. I'm not going to go get a triple Big Mac. Don't do it, man. No, because it, it's it's a good thing. So I had a little bit of a scare this week, but it was all because I didn't actually go see a doctor or not use a Walmart blood pressure machine. So, anyways, I'm Jesse Dolster. And I am Eric Gervais. And this has been a very interesting, moody way to end the podcast. But uh, have a good night, everybody. Everybody dies one day. (laughs) Have a good night.
<laughs> You're gonna die one day. We all are.